Welcome back in. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. We appreciate your listenership, as we always do. I want to tell you that Steve Cleveland, our basketball expert, coming to you on the Zone Phone Guest Line, the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung tab for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. DJ's out today. It's just me. So you got to deal with okay. me the whole time. But you, you be, 20 years ago, you dealt with me just about every day. So I'm sure you can deal with me for a few minutes here. No problem, right? That wasn't a problem back then. <laughs> it wasn't a problem today. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about this relative to the jazz. And since I worked for the newspaper at that time and covered you, I was involved and you always gave great access. You were very easy, as easy as any coach that I had ever covered. And still to this day, I I can say that 30 years in the business. And I really felt I got to know the, the vibe of your team. And I related to the jazz. And I think it was the second year you had or Rougeau and those guys, you had a pretty good team and expectations were high. You know, when you first started, you had zero expectations. So, you can go down and break New Mexico's 40-some game win streak. And it was all fun and games because nobody expected you to do anything. Well, then you fast forward a few years later, and you got all sorts of expectations. And I can remember you guys weren't playing well. And and you just look at it in your face. I'd come down to practice and watch and talk to you. And you could just feel the weight of the expectation to get in the tournament now you did turn it on and you did get in the tournament but as we got into january you weren't really sure what was going to happen and i was wondering if you can relate that to the pressure that the jazz are going through now because it's not a like a, a warm fuzzy story this is about winning games these guys are expected to win ball games and if they don't the pressure mounts how does a coaching staff deal with pressure at level to the expectation when expectations are much higher? Because when Quinn took over, it was like when you took over. There wasn't a whole lot of expectation. But now the program has risen to the point where there are a bunch of expectations. Well, I, I think first and foremost is that you, it's okay to talk about expectations. I think sometimes coaches you know, don't want to talk about expectations, especially other people's expectations of the team. And I think what you do is you establish, you know, what you expect and you got to kind of ignore the outside noise. It's hard to do in the world of social media and, you know, games on every night. I mean, people talking about it on talk radio. But I think first and foremost with your players is, is especially when you're kind of going through these types of things, that you're spending a lot of time with the guys and talking through these things and getting their input you know, it, what happens sometimes in relationships, you know, whether they're whatever kind of relationship is when things go south, all of a sudden people clam up, don't talk. And there's a lack of communication, which makes it even worse. And I think in college basketball for me, and, and certainly in the NBA today, when things aren't good, this is when the time you get down and look at the details, you have heart to heart talks with guys. And it's okay to say, Hey, you know what? Uh, Joe Ingles, you're, you're not playing at the level you need to play at. Or Conley, or you know what, how, how can Bogdanovich score three points you know, against, the, against the Celtics? You have to have those conversations in front of your teammates so that teammates understand, that, hey, we're in this together, and nobody's picking on anybody, so let's not get defensive. Let's figure out a way to fix this thing and what we can do better. And having kind of those sometimes knockdown, drag-out meetings among teams of players I don't, you know, I don't know the NBA. I've not been in that environment other than to watch games and be around a few coaches and GMs. 
But if there was ever a time that you were going to bring a group of guys together to get them to play at their full potential, each guy has to be accountable. And for a long time, I think, I think when Conley was brought on, Mitchell had a great year. You bring Bogdanovich on. Those created expectations. Here, here's guys that can score it and shoot it. And I think for the most part, Bogdanovich has been who he could be. Conley's been kind of up and down. And, but that raised the expectations of a Jazz team that was already pretty good. And they were, we always talked about them being the sum of the parts, you know, the, the sum of the parts. But and, you know, and I'm a little in that league that you can just do it on a system where you have a great culture and guys are unselfish. You know, at some point in time, people have to step up and make plays, and you have to have playmakers. And I think for the Jazz, you know, last week we were talking, and they were 3-2 and two in their last five games. Here we're, here we're talking a week later, and they lose to the Suns, they lose to the Celtics, they beat the Wizards, and they're 1-2. and two. Now they're going on the road this coming week, and they've got four games on the road. Uh, certainly three of the four are very winnable, Cavaliers, the Knicks, and the Pistons. Pistons scares me a little bit because it's on a back-to-back. But at, at the end of the day, they shouldn't be any worse than three and one. You got to talk about those things, you know, and say, "Hey, listen, we got a chance. Let's get, let's get the Cavaliers one at a time, get the Knicks, and go in there and beat the Celtics." And that's how they could turn the confidence in this thing to go to go to a place like Boston and win a big game like that. And, and you know, obviously, it's not an easy, easy to talk about. But I just think that there have to be really open, transparent conversations. And guys got to, you know, you just got to say, hey, you've got to play better. And here's the things we need to do. But this team has always been about the organization, leadership, about the culture, about playing hard and defending. But in this league, people have to step up and make big baskets and big plays. And it, can't, it just can't be Donovan Mitchell going for 38 or 33. He's got to get a lot more help. Steve Cleveland joining us here on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Steve, also, too, as a coach, you know, when you're going well, life is good. I've heard coaches say the food tastes better and everything is going. Your your car looks shinier no matter what it is. Everything is great. But when things are in struggling a little bit, how do you balance uh, putting the time into it to the point of not obsessing about it and having it dominate almost your every thought in your life? Well, as a, if you're talking about me as a coach and, and, and the, that perspective as a coach, I, I, I think that there are, there are times when, you know, you, you just got to go to the gym or you got to go, you got to get away. And I mean, there were times where I would, I had a big bass, I had a beautiful sound system. I'd go down and just listen to music. And uh, it was the way that I calmed myself. I just go down there by myself you know, and just, and just lose myself in some 60s or 70s R&B and listen to music for 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe watch a movie, get my mind completely off it where my mind wasn't fixated on, you know, the game or whatever. And I, I think everybody has their own way of, of doing that. And for some, it might be just getting a good workout in. For some, it might be music, movies, you know, what, whatever it is that gets you away from that world, then come back and look at it and be re- reinvigorated and, 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 and move on. But as far as the team is concerned, it, sometimes it's not a bad thing to, when, when you're in an absolute funk and all of a sudden, and I remember doing this, you know, say, you know, we're not practicing today, we're going to go bowling. <laughs> you know, or we're going to do something so different than what we've been doing to get our minds off it, laugh a little bit, and make fun of each other a little bit. And 
and then, and then come back and get serious about the business because it, it can drive you nuts, man. It's, it's like having a mental breakdown. It, it's, and there is anxiety. There is expectations, and it does wear on you. So you've got to be creative sometimes. And I, I can remember doing some strange things, and all of a sudden we're practicing for 30 or 40 minutes. We stop, and, you know, we, we're going to go see a movie. You know, or, or we're going to go bowling, or we're going to go do something that takes us completely away from it and come back the next day of practice, talk about it. And uh, just those kinds of things that can kind of relax guys. Guys can laugh. Laughter is great. You know, guys can, can just be themselves, recognizing that, you know, we've we got a huge task ahead of us. And listen, this, this Western Conference, I mean, Utah's 37 and 22. Uh, and it did take one bad week, and all of a sudden you're at the seventh. You know you're in the seventh seed. I mean the eighth seed's going to kind of got out of it. But I mean from Houston, Utah, OKC, and Dallas, anything can happen. And I think we looked at the Jazz as being maybe a three-four. I think that's kind of what the expectation was, and they're hanging on at the five right now. And uh, so those those are some of my thoughts. And uh, but I, I think you have to be diverse. And and, uh, and and how you handle your players, how you handle the team. But uh, this is not a time to just everybody get silent and has kind of attitudes. And that just compounds problems. you got to be open. you got to be transparent. you got to talk about it. you got to have some fun. And doing those kinds of things sometimes can relax the team. And go on the road trip here, even if you, you go three and one, it'll put a better taste in their mouth. And, and against the Cavaliers, against the Knicks and the Pistons, they're going to get open shots. And this could be just the turning thing point that they need to get their confidence back so when they come back and have a tougher schedule, they, they've kind of regained that confidence to shoot the ball or, more importantly, to defend the ball. Because that's, they gave up 56% field goal percentage to the Suns, 60% three-point. They gave up 53% against the Celtics and 42%. So... It's not just about making baskets and guys stepping up and scoring. Defensively, they have to be better and they have to be more connected. So do you like just being on the road in terms of speaking connected? And that when you're on the road, obviously you don't have your kids, you're not going home and whatnot. You're together almost all the time, except for the time you're sleeping. Almost every waking hour, you're with the guys here and they're going to be together throughout the rest of the week before they return home with that in mind. Is it a good time to get away and maybe have some of that focus and get some of that connection? Because then you can go out and feel good about each other relative to your game, to my game, and then collectively, as opposed to being at home where if you're not playing well, you might get booed. And there seems that there's more pressure at home on the road. You know, you obviously you're the visitor. And so it's a great, I, I look at it as a great opportunity to get it back together. I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. There's no question that you can get more connected on the road. Guys are together. They're covering for themselves. And, and think, the thing is, I mean, they're, they're, the, the schedule on the road, you look at it, I mean, they know who they're playing. They know what the circumstances are. But, they, you know, they got to have the maturity to know that, hey, this is where we turn this thing. And, you know, all of a sudden they go three and one on a week, and they're 40 and 23, and they're in a solid, they're really in solid shape. I mean, you only got about 20 games after that. So this is a big road trip. And, and, and even though they're not playing great teams, this is an opportunity to go on the road because you do. It's just you, and you're right. There aren't very few distractions, and it, it, it's a galvanizing type of an experience where guys do come together on the road. And when you went on the road, 
I mean, it does so much for your mojo. It, I mean, I don't care who you're playing, man. Any win on the road is huge. And, uh, and it, then that increases confidence in each other. And then they bring that back at home and start playing against better teams. And they're more confident. They're more together. They're more connected. And it's just as simple as winning two or three games on the road could turn this whole thing for them. Steve Cleveland joining us, switching to college a little bit. Now, okay, regular season is over in the West Coast and in the Mountain West. Pac-12 still has the weekend to go before they get going in the middle of next week. So start with the Mountain West because of the Thomas and Mac is being used next week. So it's now. They, they moved it up, and the tournament starts this week. So they will crown a winner on Saturday. Utah State finishing a second. San Diego State obviously having a season for the ages there, finishing first. The, Lo- the Lobos get the Aggies the last game of the season on Saturday. You know all about that. You've been in the pit a million times, how difficult that is to play there. Uh, what do you think that as far as the frame of mind of the Aggies should be going into the tournament? Well, I mean, they, they need to win that tournament. And I mean, it's not to say that they, that, that that they don't have a chance to get in at large, uh, but it's one of those things. You know, a win a win before the tournament at New Mexico would, would be huge. And, and I, I mean, I've had that experience a couple of times, and it's, I don't know that they're still getting seventeen thousand people to their games there, but it's it's just a difficult place to play. But the thing about Utah State is they've had some hiccups, and uh, they didn't get off to the to the best start, and. So now they have an opportunity in the tournament to to really turn this thing around. But you know they've got to. I think you know they've got to get to that final game. Nevada has been a surprise to me. You know they they've been better than I thought they would be. Uh, obviously, we knew Utah State. I, no one saw San Diego State doing what they're doing. But you start, and I follow a little bit. I come, I've watched a few games. In fact, I was uh, Saturday night. I Saturday afternoon. I was with Austin Angels in town doing some scouting for the Celtics, and we went and watched Fresno play Wyoming. He was just looking at some young guys, and we were talking about this league. And uh, it is the earliest they've ever played. Uh, but, you know, on, on any, any given night, you, you know, I, I look at Fresno, a team that had a great year last year and really struggled this year, but they played out a lot of people, you know, tough right to the end and couldn't finish it because they got seven freshmen. And, and so, you know, you, you got to like San Diego State to win this thing. Uh, but, but Vegas at times, New Mexico at times, Utah State at times, have shown that they're capable of winning this conference. So I think it's just comp- even though you've got San Diego State who's just dominated all year, you look at some of their scores. They've had closer scores, and uh, I, th- I think it's just one of those things that you expect San Diego State to win this. But it would not surprise me at all to see a Nevada, see a Las Vegas, to you know w- one of those teams step up, a New Mexico to step up and have an upset there. So I, I kind of, I could see an upset in the Mountain West Conference tournament, and you know hopefully that's a Utah State team that can really put it together and shoot the ball well. Uh, they're, they're connected. They're a veteran team. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Utah State getting on a run here. But I don't know. You go in, you go into that conference tournament on a loss. It's the earliest they've ever played it, so we'll see what happens. But, but uh, I like Utah State's chances, but it's hard to hard to bet against San Diego State. I mean, they they defensively they are so good, and you know the Fagan kid that was at Santa Clara, the transfer, he's really developed into a really solid point guard for them. They're surrounded by great athletes, but he's been a big big part of their success. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, as I say, a season for the ages. Now you got the West Coast Conference, which starts this week, but the way they set it up, it's, it's basically the Gonzaga rules that they <laughs> don't have to play early so they don't lose their, you know, take a hit in their ranking by playing some, you know, lowly rated team. So they get the buy along with the Cougars into the semifinals, which means for BYU's sake, Basically, you're going to play one game in two weeks. So they won't play again until next Monday, probably against St. Mary's. What do you do with all this time off? Now, obviously, it will help to get Dalton Nixon healthy. healthy. Hopefully, he can get back. But how do you handle so much time off at this time of year? Well, I, you know, you're, you're not meeting each other in practice. You're, you're having shorter practices. You're watching more film. You're doing a lot of individual skill work. You're keeping guys in tune. You know, you, you, instead of spending two hours in a practice you know, you're spending maybe an hour and 10 minutes and you're doing your weight room thing. So you, you shorten the time frame. you keep with the same intensity. You want to lose that intensity and that confidence. And I think it's a lot easier being done with seven seniors guys know what's at hand. They've risen to most every level they needed to rise to. So it helps when you have a really mature experienced team. But I think as a coach, you know, you're, you're going to change the look of practice and you're going to, you're going to do things that, Shorter time frames, you're going to work on special situations. And it's a great time, too, to now put in two or three quick hitters for out-of-bounds plays, press attacks, you know, things. You can put new stuff in that isn't on film and isn't on tape. Not that you're going to change your offense, but you can tweak some of the things that you do. And like you said, it maybe does give Dalton Nixon an opportunity to be ready, and, and maybe he has a chance to play, which would help them as well. So. Those are, that's how I would approach it. That's how, you know, I've never had that much time, but anytime we had a Christmas break or something, we would, we do a lot of time and score situations, you know, where you're down three with 30 seconds, you have the ball, all of those kind of time and score things. You kind of go back to that because you know, there's going to be close games and then two or three quick hitters for your best players, getting the ball in the post, three point shots, whatever you want to do, but yet you add a new little package for the postseason things that you can call out of timeouts, not that are going to happen kind of organically within the course of the game, but, but things that come out of dead balls and timeouts, you give them a different look, might be the difference in winning and losing the game. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what BYU can do because as I watch them, you know, and these are the seniors that have been in the program for a number of years. And Yoli Childs, I mean, Saturday, he was just just awesome. Probably the best game he's ever played in college. You know, he just looked incredible. And so I'm thinking that for the Cougars, I've got extremely high expectations. I was talking to some of the guys at our station, talking about, I believe they can get the Sweet 16. Somebody said, yeah, they could lose in the first round, or which is now the second round, I guess. But I said, yeah, I guess they could. But the reason why I'm so high on them is because they've got a high level of skill. I think Yoli Childs is an extremely skilled big man, and that's good to have that, and you need that. But I think also, too, what separates this team here, in addition to the skill level, is two other things. It's the physical and the mental toughness that I am seeing. And I saw it on display against Gonzaga at home and then San Diego and then Pepperdine. Pepperdine was a close game, you know, through uh, midway the second half. So you got to have the skill. But the thing that really stood out to me were those two other aspects, the physical and mental toughness. And that's why I think this team can do some things. Could you address that? Yeah, you know what, I, I agree with you. I, I think that 
the the makeup of this team is unique. You know, when coming in, when you add, you know, you get Yoli back, and then you get Barcello, who's a really high competitive, tough kid, and and Jake Toulson, and and you know, TJ is really competitive. But I, you know, I I think TJ has really had a great year because. He didn't have to be the primary leader on this team. He has great leadership skills. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he is as competitive as a guy you could watch. But I think Jake Toulson has come in kind of as the alpha. He's, he's, he's got a dominant personality. He likes that role. And I think it's really relaxed and put guys in a place where they feel comfortable with what's happening. And I, I, think, I think Jake Toulson's had a huge effect on Yoli. We know Yoli had skills and, and on TJ. And they're both playing great basketball. But I think Jake is kind of the heart of that team. That's where it started. And then, and then it's carried on. I mean, Zach Selyus, you know, you talk about Dalton Nixon. They're, they're all playing with toughness. And uh, Kobe Lee, I mean, it's not just one or two guys. But I just, again, I'm not in practice, but just watching outside and, and uh, being at a couple of shoot-arounds and watching them play, for me – Jake Toulson has brought much more to the game than just three-point shooting. I, I think that he has brought uh, a, a leadership. Uh, he, he's brought leadership differently than they've had in the last three or four years. I mean, he, he is a competitor, and he gets along with his teammates. They, they, all, they have great chemistry on this team. And Jake embraced that when he came in. And that's not easy to do. A transfer who actually left BYU three years ago or so, I mean – you wouldn't think something like that, but he comes in with so much confidence because he has played for Coach Pope. You know, it's not like he's playing for a new coach. He's played for Coach Pope. He knew what his role was at UVU, and I'm sure there were probably conversations that, hey, one of the things about this team is they haven't been tough enough mentally, and they haven't had maybe the chemistry they should have had. And I think Jake's embraced that, and it's very natural for him, and uh, they just feed off each other. And I, I, I agree. Those two things, those two intangibles, I mean, talent is everything, making baskets, but you can't really reach your full potential unless you have great chemistry and really connected and have that toughness. And this team has it, and, and it's not hard to, to see. I mean, they're diving on the floor for loose balls. They're taking charges, not backing down from anybody. And I think that's why everybody's embraced this team and enjoys watching them play. Great time of year, Steve. Thanks for being with us. We look yeah. forward to next week, very much so in the next few weeks here. It's a great time of year, as I say. Thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's the best. Take care. Have a good day. All right, that's Steve Cleveland, our basketball expert, talking about pressure for the Jazz, talking about college hoop. We'll hit both of those. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. All right, I want to tell you about Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Buy your next car at Ken Garf West Valley Used Cars. Now, with more than 600 used vehicles in stock, we have Utah's largest pre-owned inventory in one location. Stop by and see us today or get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf West Valley Chrysler D Jeep Dodge Ram. Visit us today. All right, we just had Steve Cleveland on the pressure of the moment. The Jazz going out on the road and having a big four-game road trip starting tonight against Cleveland. Is it time? 
Is it time, I ask, all good men and women, all good boys and girls, is it time to hit that proverbial panic button if the Jazz do not win tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the sucky Cleveland Cavaliers, the awful Cleveland Cavaliers? Yes, (laughs) I think it is. If they don't win tonight, oh, my gosh. When are they going to win on the road? They can't lose to Cleveland, can they? They can't lose to New York, can they? Uh, Maybe the Pistons back-to-back Boston Friday, the Pistons Saturday. So you got a little back-to-back travel New York to to, uh, Detroit, obviously, there. All right, so you got that going on. But they cannot, come on. They cannot lose to Cleveland tonight. You know, I said the same thing. If you would have told me at the beginning of the conference season that your University of Utah basketball team would go winless on the road in conference, Yak, what kind of odds would you give that? I would have given that winless. I would have given that about 10% that they would have gone winless. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I might run that number. Yeah, I'd be in the (laughs) single digits, maybe even. It's not very likely. I at least I wouldn't have predicted that in any way, shape, or form. Because leading into the conference road season, that means obviously that you've got the non-conference season that you've already played. Correct. And they beat Kentucky and Vegas. Now, Kentucky's going to win the SEC, and then they beat BYU in the Huntsman Center. BYU is going to go into the NCAAs. They beat those teams, and then they turn around and don't win a game in conference on the road. That is shocking to me that they did not win one. They got one more game left here. Uh, Colorado, I think it's uh, Sunday or Saturday, uh, noon, 30, somewhere around there, in the Huntsman Center. Uh, obviously, their last home game of the season before they head down to Vegas next Wednesday to play. And we'll see what seed they finish and who they play in that first-round game. Uh, it's the same thing with the Jazz here, man. If you would have told me three, four weeks ago that they would be on this road trip and they would go anything less than three and one, I would say, oh, man, you're crazy. And I got to admit, I got to admit, I'm a little nervous tonight, but still, I'm thinking that they have got an at 85% chance of winning. Well, start it off, you know, you, in order to go three and one, you're going to have to win tonight probably, right? I don't see where you're going to lose tonight and then turn around and then win three in a row. So they've got to get the Cavs. Man, they have just got to. There's got to be no question about it. And I believe they got to go three and one. You got to get back in this thing as soon as you possibly can. You know, get going and get going immediately starting now. You got the nice win against Washington, and any win at this point is a good win, and they've got to find a way to keep it going and keep it going immediately tonight. So I'm giving them an 85% chance. What's your level of confidence? Are you with me, Yuck? 85% or you go higher? With Cleveland, yeah, 85 is a good number. I just feel like the Cavaliers are spinning their wheels at this point. Of course, John Beeline's now out. They've uh, put uh, Bickerstaff, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, in as the head coach. But they're spinning their wheels at this point. The Jazz should just go in and dominate. Yeah. And the thing that scares me is, my gosh, the West. The West is playing great basketball. So you're behind the pace a little bit. You not only have to 
to catch up. You got to keep pace and catch. You got to catch up first, and then yeah, you got to keep pace. Yeah, you're two games back at Houston alone right now. So you've got you got to make up some ground here. But like you said, the teams in the West they just keep winning, and you losing those four straight games really has put you behind the eight ball. As Donovan Mitchell said, man, where did we come up with that expression? These expressions behind the eight ball. Why uh, not? Be, uh, I think it's a why do we, thing. I know, but why that ball? And why be being behind that ball? Why not behind the cue ball? It's a fair point. Why not in front of the cue ball? Why not off to the side of the cue ball? Adjacent the to ball? the cue ball? Adjacent to the cue ball. I mean, it's a little bit of a, you know, a long phrase, but I wonder how we got some of these phrases. Like Katie barred the door. What did Katie do that she barred the door? And why do I need her to bar the door again? Where did Katie bar the door come from? Great question. Anybody know Katie bar the door and the expressions? Uh, hell in a handbasket? What does that mean? Where do we come up with these expressions? How do we figure them out? What was the origin? There's some expressions out there that make no sense to me. Behind the eight ball. What does that even mean? What is behind the eight ball? Means a disadvantageous position in pool where your opponent has <laughs> sunk more of their striped or solid balls and you are behind. Because of course you have okay. to you have to make all of your shots before you can hit the eight ball into a pocket to win that round of pool. Okay, so you're giving me the literal billiards. I just, I, just, I just looked it up, yeah. So you're not literally your 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 cue ball is not literally behind the eight ball. No. You're just losing the match. You're losing the match or whatever you term a yeah, game of pool. You're losing, and so that means you're behind. Oh, see, I thought that you were like boxed in up against the side of the table, and your ball was literally behind the nope. eight ball. But nope. it turns out that's not even it. it. Just means you are behind in the match or the game of pool that you are playing in. Okay, and why did Katie bar the door? Looking that up right now. (laughs) What what else you got? Ridiculous expressions. Help us out, people. What other expressions that are out there? Hell in a handbasket. Where did that come from? What does that mean? I got no idea. So, Katie bar the door is an exclamation that means watch out, trouble's on its way. It's an American phrase usually heard in the southern United States, but the exact origin is unknown. That's what I'm talking about. Most of these things are unknown. I mean, I get between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you you know, that's sixes, right? The rock is hard. The hard place is hard. So, I can live with that. But what is Katie doing barring the door? And does that mean I can't get out? I'm stuck? I'm trapped? I don't know. I'm not sure what is going on with that expression. And are the Jazz are the jazz up against the eight ball? Or no, behind the eight ball. They put them behind the eight ball, right? Well, I suppose they are, but I'm not willing to say it just yet. I don't even know what it means. Well, I guess I do know what it means because you just told me what it means, but I had no idea until now what that meant. 
I would, but I'm not willing to say. Yeah, I would have been with you. I would have thought your ball was stuck behind the eight ball, and of course, if you hit the eight ball into the pocket, you lose that game immediately. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 right. So you had no other – you were boxed in. Your cue ball was literally boxed in, so you had nowhere else to go. So now I know that you're just losing the match. So if you're down two to nothing tonight, are the Jazz behind the cue, the eight ball? Because they'll be losing the match. Does it have to be in the fourth quarter? I mean, come on, you can't be behind the eight ball in the first quarter. I guess you could if you're down 25. But as far as them – falling out of contention for home court and have a legitimate chance to win in the first round. I'm not there yet. Now, if they go 0-4 this week, oh my gosh, then I might be there. I might, I might, yeah, 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 it really is at that point. And is there an actual button that you can push the panic button? Does the button exist? Why not just say it's time to panic, but they're telling you you can hit the panic button? Is there such a button? Who has this button? Does this button exist? Panic button? Have you ever touched? Have you ever seen a button that if you hit it, that meant panic? Nope. I'd like to make one, though. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, what is that? Does anybody know what that means? The panic button? Who? Who? What, what button is out there? The only buttons I hit are the ones on my shirt when I buckle when I button them. That's it. I'm not hitting any other buttons. I don't even know buttons exist. What am I hitting? The panic button. But I'm not there yet. Now, if they, how about if they go one in three, are we hitting the panic button? My hand is hovering over it, I have to admit. Because you go one in three uh, after the break, what does that make you? Uh, two and seven? Yeah, it'd make you two and seven out of the break. That'd be yeah. less than ideal. Right, and a bunch of those losses would be to crappy teams. Think about the Suns. The Suns got beat Saturday night at home by the Warriors. They just lost Kelly Oubre, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, Oubre, yeah, you're right. He didn't play, so I'll give him that. And, you know, they don't have a lot of talent, and he's one of their better players. But the Warriors, come on, at home? Yeah, the Warriors. You lost that game? Yeah, I was down in Phoenix for a wedding over the weekend. And see that game? Come on. That was garbage. And you lost to those guys. And you lost to them by 20, wasn't it? So I'm not hitting that panic button, which doesn't exist anyway. I'm not there yet. But we get to this time next week, and they're 2-7 and seven or 3-6. and six. No, no. Then I'm going to get nervous. They've got to go minimum 3-1 and one on this trip, don't they? Yes, they must. Or I'll hit the panic button. I'll get KD to bar the door to the arena and not let those players in if they don't go at least three and one. They got to get it done. Now is the time. Kawhi Leonard called out the Clippers, said the time is now, and they haven't lost since. I need somebody to call out the Jazz and say the time is now and get it done. Suck it up, get it done. All right, speaking of suck it up, stay with us because that's what we're doing next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Spring football starting Monday. Ah. The biggest storyline for Utah football day one Monday and BYU football mm-hmm. is blank. Biggest storyline. I always blank. lean to quarterbacks. I really do. I mean, they had a senior quarterback that being Utah. Now here they are. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. Utah with a lot of guys that are moving on. There's going to be question marks and people are curious to see who's going to elevate and put themselves in a position to then produce when it comes time for fall. And BYU, I want to know at some point 
point do they have a running back that could be that feature back? I like Devontae Henry Cole a lot. So when I saw that he's going to BYU, I thought that's a great get for them. Curious to see how he hits the ground running day one. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Second free throw is no good. Rebound. Harden lost it. Smart. Pops it three. It's in Jalen Brown's hands. Three is in the air. He got it. He got it. It happened. There you heard it. That was a huge play at the time. The Jalen Brown three to tie the game against Houston. Houston won the game. Tell them what they need to know on that, Yuck. Yeah, so at 4.50 this afternoon, the Big Show is going to ask for people to call in and name this play of the weekend. Well, there you go. Jalen Brown's, at the time, like you said, a big shot that tied the game against the Houston Rockets. The Houston went on to win. If you do that, you can win fabulous prizes from your local Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. All right, yeah, well, that's good stuff. Now we got some bad stuff. Play it, Yuck. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's that time of week. We do this every Monday. This time we recap the sports weekend of the sucky stuff. Guys who may have sucked. You know, it wasn't a bad weekend as far as guys sucking. The one thing I thought was my guy, Sean Miller from Arizona, getting tossed on the road playing at Pauley Pavilion against the Bruins. And the Bruins, man, out of nowhere, are in first place. He gets tossed, and Arizona loses their third consecutive game. And I think that's it's an indictment on this one-and-done stuff here because they've got three freshmen. Now, one of the freshmen was out, Josh Green, and so they didn't have their full complement. But the idea of trying to build your program around one-and-done freshmen, yeah, I think it's just devastating for some programs. And I think Arizona's at the top of the list because they're just not going to be able to do it. They're getting these guys who are still high in this draft pick list, the lottery list, and the first-round projections, these mock drafts. These three guys that they have, they're all expected to go, but yet they're losing games. As Sean Miller gets thrown out, the Arizona Wildcats had that game, and then they committed a bunch of turnovers at the end, and they lose 69-64. to 64. And now maybe, maybe they don't make the NCAA tournament. I still think they will. They get the Washingtons coming in this week, and then they go to Vegas for the conference tournament next week. Hard for me to believe, but I think, Sean Miller, man, you're giving those teams you're giving the Bruins four free throws when you get ejected. It seems like the world is kind of closing in on him, doesn't it, Yuck? Yeah, the walls are coming in on that program. Like we're seeing, starting to see these notice of allegations coming out from the NCAA, and Arizona's on that list. So I wonder how long he is for Tucson. Yeah, and plus you're not getting your bang for your buck there. No, absolutely not. Yeah, he. he, you would think with what he's been paying out allegedly in terms of the money being paid out, they'd have at least – something to show for it they don't have anything to show for it yeah last year they didn't make the tournament the year before with deandre ayton who ended up being the number one pick obviously he shouldn't have been it should have been donsage but uh he goes out in the first round i think they got beat in the first round of buffalo if i remember correctly correct so i got a little problem with that as far as this guy sucks putting sean miller on my list and collectively 
I can't excuse the Utes going winless on the road. Can I just say it's youth? Is that it? Is that does that cover it? That's the blanket statement for this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I know some folks out there continue to just run up the flagpole with the a youth, but are we buying that? And if you don't win a game on the road next year, you'd fans. Do you think your team is going to get in the NCAA tournament next year? Awesome. Are we going to go from not winning a road game to – I hope you do because the more the merrier. It's better for our teams to win. So, look at – I mean, we're getting some uh, run out of Utah and Utah – or BYU, I should say, and Utah State. So, i just soon have Weber or Southern Utah or Utah Valley and Utah certainly get in that NCAA tournament, man. More of the merrier to have us to talk about stuff. It's much better when the teams win. So I take no pleasure in watching these teams lose. I don't understand it here for Utah. I don't understand how they got to this point where in what Larry's eighth, ninth year, whatever it is, he did a marvelous job building the program to where they're to this point now where they're just fighting to be 500. And it looked like for the second year in a row, they're going to have no postseason, not even the NIT. Yeah, they. it's just – it's not acceptable for a program of the stature that Utah has. And at next year, it's a, it's a put-up-or-shut-up year next year for Larry. The biggest question mark, PK, is he's going to be able to keep everybody around this offseason because it's been an annual tradition, it seems like, with the Utes. They lose two or three guys that could really help them. Yeah, that is absolutely the case. They have been losing critical players. Man, if, and gosh, if they lose guys this year out of this rotation – and you spend all this time on this youth, and I do admit, obviously, they're a young team, but then if you lose guys, it becomes like a waste of time. They, you just can't do that. I just, I don't know that you can go from being, if you lose six games under 500 in conference to all of a sudden next year, you're telling me they're going to be good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. And I realize They've got this great recruiting class coming in. But if they don't play well, this great recruiting class, we're going to hear about them being freshmen again. So you just told me you were young this year, but then you tell me you got this great recruiting class. So youth was the excuse this year, but now youth next year is going to save you? I'm having a hard time following that logic. Someone explain that to me. I'm not a very bright guy. You're young this year, and the youth was the reason why you didn't get it done. So now next year, you're going to bring in three or four good big-time recruits, I guess, here. The coaches, assistant sons, a big scorer out of Southern California. But yet somehow he's not going to be affected by being young. Where's the logic there? I don't know that I follow it. If these guys were affected by being young, how come then next year's guys won't be affected by being young? Shouldn't they be affected by it too? And if they're all that, eh, how much are you relying on freshmen? We just spoke about Arizona relying on freshmen, and these freshmen are projected to go in the first round, and they're not getting it done to the level. They're getting it done much better than Utah is and probably going to be the NCAA tournament. And I don't have any problem if they go. Uh, but they're not getting it done to their level. So uh, some issues there regarding Utah basketball as we close out the season for them, uh, the regular season this week, and then the whole, the entire season next week, most likely. All right, BYU basketball, they have no issues. In fact, they've got nothing but good times so far. We'll see what lies ahead. Spring ball also starting today for the locals, Utah, BYU, and all that. 
Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. We're going to preview that and review that. Look ahead. See what is the magic that is Mark Pope. Get his thought on that. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.